0: Hello and welcome to the Motormouth podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. Did you know that Motormouth is on Patreon? Yes, you can support your favourite podcast if you want. And in return, we've got some great goodies and bonus content to give you. Just search Motormouth Official on Patreon where there are three levels of membership. Become a Motormouth companion for just £5 per month with our eternal thanks, early access to all podcast episodes ad-free. If you fancy going for £7.50 per month and becoming a Motormouth associate, that means you can ask your own questions to our guests as well as enjoy ad-free early access to every single podcast. And if you're an absolute Motormouth legend and want to do £10 per month, you will get an official Motormouth baseball cap, a personal thank you on the actual show from us, and everything else, including ad-free, early access, and the opportunity to ask a question. Just search Motormouth Official on Patreon or follow the links in the detail of this podcast. Your support means everything to us and keeps us going, so thank you. Before we kick off with today's guest, we must tell you about our Season 5 sponsors and the great
1: team over at Motus One. Sponsors are vital for our survival and ensure we can continue to bring you interviews with the biggest names in racing. So if you or your company require event transportation, Dana and his team at Motus One has you covered Anywhere in the world, from a single chauffeur driven sedan to a fleet of luxury SUVs, Teslas, or motor coaches, find your transportation solution with Motus One. With offices worldwide, including the Middle East, Europe, and Africa, they can support your transportation needs regardless of your location. Motus One is committed to world class service at the best possible rates to ensure your event goes without a hitch. Contact them at motus1.com. We'll put all their social links in the podcast description. And a massive thanks to Dana, their CEO and founder, for having faith in our show and joining us for Season 5.
0: This week we're on our best behaviour as we're joined by former SAS man Jay Morton. You'll recognise him if you're a fan of Channel 4's SAS Who Dares Wins. He joined us to chat all about his career so far and his taking the plunge into the racing world as he competes in the Brick Car Championship in 2021 with the Praga Racing Team. He's climbed Everest, he's written books, he's done everything and more, and he's here to tell us all about it. Thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger and enjoy. I need to head to Essex to introduce
1: my co-host. Now, Essex is home to the burial site of King Harold, who famously fell at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. His resting place is Waltham Abbey. What better, tenuous link to bring in another Harold, or as I like to call him,
0: Harry Benjamin. How are you? Not technically a Harold, but I'll take that. I really thought you'd run out of your Essex facts, so well done. Waltham Abbey, that's where I took my car to have it serviced. Uh, So it's nice to know there's a that's a bit of history there as well.
1: Oh, well there we are. Good, good little stat for you there. <laughs> How's
0: things? How are you, Timothy?
1: I'm all right. Um, this is a late one for us, isn't it? It's uh, 8 p.m. as we speak now. Uh, yeah. it's dark outside it's autumn it's cold and miserable Um, but uh, and actually you know
0: we, we've kicked off season 5 of this and I just thought I'd actually say even though it's getting dark earlier we're obviously in the UK we're going into another lockdown and we've had so many nice messages about the podcast and so yeah. people wanting to, to hear more and it's great that it can provide a bit of a, an escape for people so thank you so much for, for your continued support to everyone who listens and we'll make sure uh, we've got an all-star lineup for you for this, this season 5 so uh, we're really excited to have everybody along for it yeah the feedback's been amazing actually so thank you for
1: all of that. Right, should we stop rambling and introduce today's guest? Let's do it. Yes. It's not a joke. It's fucking serious. That's right. It is serious, people. Today, we have to be very careful what we say to our guest. Why? Because he's incredibly tough and could most likely take down Harry and I with a glance. Its former SAS operator turned racing driver, Jay Morton. After an initial stint in the paras and tours to Afghanistan and Iraq, Jay went through the gruelling Special Forces selection process and onto a 10-year career with the UK's elite. He's climbed Everest twice, and you'll know him as one of the terrifying directing staff on Channel 4's SAS who. Des wins. He's also become an author, having written his first book called Soldier. What does this have to do with motorsport? Well, in 2021, he'll be racing behind the wheel of a Praga R1 machine. They're amazing cars. We're here to find out more. Jay Morton, welcome to the Motormouth podcast.
0: Jay, thanks so much for joining us. So, so where are you about in the world at the moment? and how, How's your 2020 been?
2: I think my 2020 has probably been just the same as everyone else's. (laughs) (laughs) Quite eventful. Um, uh, Yeah, so I'm down on the south coast at the minute. uh, So I spent all of the year down here. um, It's the perfect location to be in lockdown, to be honest, because right next to the coast and plenty of countryside.
0: Yeah, that is perfect. I'm jealous. I mean, lucky I've got a garden, but yeah, that's what you want, really. But um, before we get on obviously to to your your new sort of racing venture. we like to go back to where it all started really with all our, all our guests and, and find out, you know, what was life like growing up for you? What, what speed you want to, to head into to the career that you've had, which has obviously been quite varied.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of from just normal background. Um, so I'm a northerner by, by heart. I grew up in Preston in Lancashire. Um, yeah. Just a normal background, grew up playing sport. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of found the military and, um, for me at the time, like I, I was never someone that liked school, kind of always getting in, into trouble and uh, found that my attention span in school was was completely too short. Um, so, yeah, like I, I found the military and that was a place where I could put my energy into and I found a passion for it. Ended up joining, you know, when I was 19 years old and that was the time that kind of the Afghanistan's and that kicked off. So, got my fair share of Afghan tours and um, Iraq tours and yeah, and then led up to the Special Forces and, and the rest of the career. And, and was that just a case of,
0: you know, there, there was nothing else you, you saw yourself doing or you could see and, and you just sort of stumbled across the military? or Was there anything in your family that might indicate that? Or was it just completely you saw it and you went for it?
2: No, like I, I didn't have any family members that were in the military bar, kind of granddads that had served in the war. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was more of like I, I left school, like I, you know, left with minimal grades and, and went to, study at college sport and again you know ended up leaving just before a year just because I just wasn't I'm not good for the indoors I'm not good (laughs) being sat indoors and staring at computer screens and you know coursework and deadlines and stuff like that well deadlines aren't too bad but yeah I think I think the educational system is not set up for me so um, I ended up leaving and just going into some like really like poor kind of like factory work and stuff like that and um Again, I just I was just bored. Like I need I need excitement and entertainment in my life and that just didn't provide it, which is, you know, why I went into the military.
1: When you when you reached the military, was it all you expected it to be? Did you think, yes, I've found my calling here?
2: I don't know. I don't think you really I don't think you really sit there and go, Yeah, I've found what I wanted to do here, do you? It's like I think when you look back retrospectively, like yes, like that that fit my personality type and it fit where I was in my life down to a T. But when you're in it, it's just, you know, you're in that mix of of doing what you're doing and just, you know, with a good group of lads and, and going around, traveling around the world and, and doing what you need to do. Yeah.
0: I suppose entering the military is one thing. And then joining the SAS in particular, that that must have been a, a momentous moment for you in your life. How did that opportunity come about? What what was the motivation behind it?
2: So I'd done four years by the time I went, to, went, went on to S.A.S. SAS selection um, and that was kind of one tour of Iraq, two tours of Afghanistan and at the time like you know that, that second tour of Afghanistan wasn't really I don't know it was quite a quiet tour and we got sent to some you know I wouldn't say boring locations you know touch wood that nothing bad happened but it was quite a quiet tour and you know, I found that I, I was kind of searching for more at that time and you kind of hear these rumours of lads going on SAS selection and, and passing out and you never see them again. And they they almost become like urban urban legends Yeah, um, that kind of people speak about and you kind of want to meet that guy, but you never do. Um, and at the time I was in Afghanistan and there was there was the SBS that was stationed out there and we used to see them um, at the camp coming back in off jobs on a couple of CH-47 helicopters. Um, and they've just got a presence about them, right? They've got, like, you know, better kit. They're dressed differently. They, like, they'll walk into the cookhouse, the kitchen, and everyone kind of knows who they are. Yeah. And they're just cool. You know, they're, they're cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you want a piece of that, don't you? It's yeah. like a 24-year-old lad. It's like that's what you want to do and actually
0: just for for you know, people who i suppose the sas is really well, i suppose the idea is you don't really know about them but obviously they're they're known in the uk sort of we know what who they are what what they do could you explain to someone who actually doesn't have any clue what the sas is what it's all about yeah it's
2: um so it's the special air service so it's the uk's uh tier one uh special forces unit so it's um you know, you've got the bit, you've got the the kind of green army or the the basic army, as you call it, and then each army unit around the world will have its own kind of smaller uh, special forces unit, which. Um, basically just gets all the, the, the bad jobs that no one else wants, really. <laughs> and, and <laughs> Emptying bins, empty bins and cleaning cleaning kitchens and stuff like that. You, not all glamour. You mentioned
1: uh, the selection process earlier. That's sort of infamous. Yeah. People sort of think about that selection process, and we've seen bits of it on the, on the show, which we'll come on to later. But is that selection process for the SAS as bad as people would imagine? Yeah. Do you know what? It's
2: probably worse. Um, what? Six God. But but yeah, you build in, or you're trying to find characters that are capable of carrying out that task. So, but the funny thing is, I actually quite enjoyed SAS selection, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, it was because because I was like I was at a time I was like 24, full of testosterone. It was like it was my time to like prove myself over that six months in front of people, and you know I'm 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 super competitive, so. Yeah, like going on that, going on there with like a group of lads that are all doing the same thing. You form like good bonds and good relationships. So get to the end of it, and I was quite sad to see everyone go.
1: Yeah, and presumably not everyone makes it to the end. A bit like the show, there there must be dropouts along the way, or or does everyone tend to get through it?
2: Uh, Like we started, you start with about 150 guys on on day one. Um, You you get you probably get joined by about another 50 or 70 guys halfway through that have been injured on the last selection and then uh, I want to say it was it was probably about 17 15 17 guys at the end wow. god it's amazing yeah, yeah. so the attrition rate is quite high guys well, guys why, guys yeah. and girls just guys is it um but yeah the funny thing is like I don't think SAS selections never not been open for females I think in the in the right in it just says it says candidate and doesn't specify gender. So
0: hmm. well so the opportunity though with SES Who Dares Wins, which if people haven't seen that is obviously the hit Channel Four show in the UK, which you made a bit of a splash on, really. It's already quite a quite a gripping show and the way you came into it was Tense <laughs> to watch as well. Evil. Um, I was like, "You, you <laughs> bastard! How did can- <laughs> <laughs> you not figure it out?" <laughs> not far too stupid. What, I just remember watching that that poor woman who um, I can't remember her name, but hey. she had to uh, hold hold the uh, her thing over her head while you just. Yeah. I was just watched that. And I went, "Oh my god!" But so, how? how what spurred you onto to, to join that show? And 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 what's the idea behind it? Because obviously, you know, you you've been there, done it. Yeah, you know, do you, do you want to relive it again?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, like the show is not not as comparable to, to to like real SAS selection. It's a lot more condensed, mm. um, but you're just trying to put candidates under the sim- under similar kind of stresses and situations that we, you know, go through on normal SAS selection. Um, yeah, poor Ellie. Um, she's a strong girl though. She's a super yeah. strong girl. So yeah. To be honest, I didn't feel bad about it because, like, I knew she could take it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, do you know, like the show puts out a good message, right? In mm-hmm. in, in these years, the, the lads and the DS, they're, they're all good role models and, and that's what I saw before I went on the show and, you know, if the show wasn't doing, like putting out that positive message and kind of, you know, Coming across the way it does, then I, I probably wouldn't have done it. But
0: yeah, yeah I, I, one thing I've really noticed about it is that obviously, you know, you've got to be physically fit and you can, there, there is, there is. Literal ways you can improve your physical fitness. You know, that, that is, you know, the set in stone. There's so many different ways you can do that from diet to exercise. But then what the show does really well is it obviously takes into account, you know, the, the hidden mental health. That That is something that has got to be so strong amongst the candidates and obviously amongst anyone going into, uh, you know, the SAS in the real world or any high level military. How do you? how do you work on on the mental aspect of it because it's I I imagine it's not as easy is it because it's you can't see it and there's no you can't just go to the gym
2: yeah it's um the mental aspects the the biggest part of it Mm. um like physical physical strength and endurance will only get you to you know a certain point and beyond that like when your body stops like your body wants to stop and, and not carry on that's when you your mental agility or you know what everyone's What's called resilience these days—that's when that resilience kicks in. Um, and it's you know, resilience isn't something that you're born with. It's something that you develop over over time of ex, you know of exposing yourself to difficult things or stressful things. Um, and that's what the military does very well, without even knowing it, is it exposes it exposes you to all these difficult. Like stresses and scenarios, and over over time of doing that, you build this resilience up.
1: Do you think it's possible <clears throat> to develop a, a mental toughness? Because I remember watching the show with um, Tony Bellew, and and he was. Um, pretty crazy when he came into it you know he, he set, admitted he had a short fuse and he found it difficult to control his temper and in the boxing challenge he pretty much uh, looked like he was about to murder everybody and he, he sort of improved and it became quite a life-changing experience for him but I imagine he's still a pretty highly strung character is it, can you train your brain to have that mental strength or is it something that you're born with and and you, you just get lucky with
2: I think everyone's probably different in that situation, right? Um, Like, you know, you could take someone who's probably developed it over their childhood through, you know, growing up, through parenting and through what happened at school. And, you know, they've probably just ended up, you know, I don't know whether it's in certain situations that have just given, given them that mental resilience or given them a reason to want to push themselves beyond what they're capable of. Um, and then I guess other people would put themselves in a career that that gives them that mental uh, toughness or resilience. So like guys that join the army or guys that play in sports teams, like like rugby, those guys are tough as nails, yeah. right? That's because they're constantly week in, week out, throwing their bodies into, into other guys' bodies, trying to stop them. And that creates that mental toughness.
0: A quick interruption of the show to remind you to check out our Season 5 podcast sponsors. Motus One, the event transportation company. Motus One is the industry leader in complex transportation management. From hospitality, talent, production crews, VIPs and artist transportation, Motus One's team have you covered. They've also just launched their leading-edge cloud-based event transportation management system, Motus Ride. Now you can manage your entire event transport program digitally, making bookings, allocate rides, create approval processes, see reports, track costs and loads more. Head over to dot and hear how they can support your event transportation needs.
1: Without trying to turn this into a couch exercise, um, you, know, you said yourself, you, you struggled at school in terms of, um, you know, I guess, going to it and keeping your focus and, and enjoying it as from an educational perspective. There are loads of kids that are like that, that go into very normal jobs. What, what do you think it is about you or your background um, or your your mental state that makes you want to experience all these challenges and, and test your body and your mind to such a degree, can you pinpoint something? Or is it you think you just sort of fell into that route and, and and it turned out to be something you were good at? It's a deep question. It's that's a good it. one, isn't it? I'm was... <laughs> <laughs> surprised I myself like with Read
2: that one. I'm going back into the, the deepest parts of my brain trying to answer this one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know, you know, like I think I think part of it is it is like my like the way I grew up probably just you know I used to walk to school it was like a you know a mile and a half to walk to school and you do that in the winter you do that you know in the in the snow in the wind in the rain um I had a paper arm when I was a young lad so I used to manage two paper rounds actually and then used to work in a chip shop and, and have a milk round all in one so I was like I was like the richest guy at school but um I was I was like on zero t- sleep, I imagine yeah, the, You're doing the, the milk the t- round
0: and the paper round <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, the tiredest guy at school as well um, so yeah, I think it's partly like you know I grew up playing like rugby as well, so it 's probably partly like a little bit of that, and then um i don 't know I think it 's hard to pinpoint like exactly where it came from like i'm I 'm really competitive, so i 'm always trying to beat people, um, so there 's that element of like com- like competitiveness. Mm. Um, and then when you get thrown into the army, it's like all that like, mixed into one. Um, yeah, you end yeah, up. Yeah, makes for a good soldier. Yeah. What yeah, What exactly. is
0: the biggest challenge you've ever had?
2: Um, biggest challenge. Do you know? Do you know? Everest is probably one of the hardest things I've done.
0: And you and you done that twice. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Casual. <laughs> yeah 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 it is talk, um, talk to
0: us about Everest then that I mean I just I can't even get my head it because people getting to base camp is is an effort in itself and then you and then you go even higher and, and obviously it's so dangerous and perilous and it, it's I can see the appeal of it as well but I can also see the absolute reason of never ever wanting to do it
2: <laughs> yeah well it's like one of those things that you just put yourself through hell for six weeks yeah to just get to the summit of something um, just to say you've done it and, like, even even getting to the summit is, like, quite a bit of an anti-climax. Because mm. at the end of the day, it's just it's just a patch of land on the earth, isn't it? Did you still get still to the summit both, land times. Just going. Yeah, both times? Yeah, both
0: times, yeah. So it wasn't even like you failed the first time. You thought, okay, I've got to do it again because we we'll are getting to get to the top. You thought, no, I'll do it. I'll do the exact same thing again.
2: Yeah. And weirdly, I felt stronger the first time. I felt, <laughs> I felt fine. I, felt, I had, like, a really good run at it. So I yeah. like the second time, I'm going to feel the same. But the second time, I had, like, I, I was ill, like I, I had bad diarrhea. Oh, um, God. I had like a really bad day that I thought I was going to die. Um, and then, yeah, like when I got to the top, I was just, I was like, I, like I've like i got the ability to just keep trudging on and, and keep going regardless of how I feel. Mm. Um, like I've always got that reserve, that kind of 10% just tucked away. But yeah, I kind of, I, I remember shedding a tear at the top of the second summer because I was just like so relieved that that I'd made it. it, and the rest, the rest of the team had made it. So a third time, yeah, yeah, hundred oh percent, yeah. Like I was, I was supposed to climb a mountain called K two mm. this year. Oh yeah, but obviously COVID's mm. affected that. Um, so hopefully, like K two, maybe next year, um, and then I'm planning to climb Everest 2021 with um, some ex, some ex uh, convicts. Yeah, yeah. Criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been in, they've been in prison. They're, they're doing this um, reform thing. Very cool. Wow. Very cool. So yeah, that's the plan in 2021. So, like, do, do you know what? If, if obviously if this lockdown and COVID hadn't happened, I'd be doing some sort of high altitude mountain probably every year.
1: You're basically the 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 man that I wanted to be. This, <laughs> it just, yeah, I climbed Everest I left my socks up there went back up did it again <laughs> it's is fine um, I, I've got to ask um, Ant um, Ant Middleton what, what's he like away from the cameras because he's you see him on TV and you're just like oh my god what an asshole! It, it, is, he, <laughs> is he a teddy bear behind, behind closed doors no he just
2: shouts and swears like <laughs> every exactly day like, like he is <laughs> No, nah, and sound. He's, he's 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 just a mellow character, right? And then when he's on TV, that's that's who he is.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, do you have? Can you pinpoint a particular point of your military career, whether that be in uh, in the powers or or in the SAS, where it's a it's a highlight for you, something that you really felt like you'd you'd achieved the greatest thing you're going to achieve.
2: Um, th- there is, you know, there's a, there's a few moments that. I, I, like, I actually just can't, I can't speak about it just because um, it falls under that umbrella. Yeah. Um, Military-wise, anyway, I think, you know, passing selection was, was a, a big point, point. Um, and that was definitely, although it was, again, quite an anti-climax because um, you almost just finished six months of selection, turn up to the parade square, like, get given your belt and berry Someone takes a picture of you, and then that's it. You're off yeah. for, like... Join your team um, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, like that. And then I know the first Summit of Everest was whilst I was still serving. So, that's probably a massive achievement. And then, like, you know, that first half, you know, some of the Afghan tours and, you know, they, the, you know, managed to tick off quite a few things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
0: So you, you've achieved obviously some amazing things in your career. You, you've got that mental strengthness as well as that physical strengthness, all things that you need really to be a racing driver. Um, so let's turn to racing and and the world of motorsport. And you're going to be making your racing debut. All all things uh, COVID-wise, planning out well, uh, driving in the Praga R1 in 2021 for VR Motorsport. So. Congrats, first of all, but also, how did that come about? Where did motorsport come from for you?
2: Um, I think it just ticks all the boxes of stuff that I like doing. Yeah, um, and I, do you know what? It was just a like a brilliant opportunity from from the guys at Praga from Mark and um, yeah, we, we touched base during lockdown and ch- chatted, and he, you know he, you know, they're launching a new car next year, so it mm. was um, they're looking at putting some people through and racing in uh, brick car endurance in the r1 and when he said it i was just like yeah like why not like that sounds awesome um so yeah like i've you know i've got some some sort of like driver training that i did whilst i was in the special forces uh so you know we've done quite a few track stuff quite you know car handling like j turns like the evasive stuff trying to knock cars out the way and escape out of sticky situations perfect
0: um, for uh, for a racing series
2: <laughs> yeah and yeah, we've done like <laughs> loads of fast driving on like the UK roads and around london so um but yeah like racing's a completely different kettle of fish are, are you kind of into thing. motorsport at all or was it, do you
0: are you a fan or was it just you you put two and two together and this opportunity came about
2: yeah like i love motorsport like i'm not like i love like a load of things but i don't i don't, I don't have time to like commit and sit down and watch yeah. it um, but in terms of like, you know, I grew up around I grew up around motorsport. Like my dad, my dad always used to take me down to the NEC to the classic car shows. Like he used to have a load of classic cars that we used to pop the bonnet um, at the weekend and, and tinker around and do stuff with. Um, and like he'd take me to like Alton Park to watch uh, British touring cars and uh, like one-off little series and, and, and things like that. So yeah, I've kind of grown up around motorsport and started riding bikes when I was. 21 or 20 like got my bike license got into sports bikes and um so yeah like for me it just ticks every box and you
1: you you're actually throwing yourself in slightly at the deep end because this is not a um a crap series um you know the the praga uh, R1 car just some of the stats here Four cylinders, 16 valves, 380 brake horsepower, 410 newton metres of torque, 2 litre, but 625 kilograms. So that thing's going to fly because it weighs about as much as I do. Um, You've really gone for it. Um, Are you prepared for for what's going to come? Do you have any sort of expectations about how you're going to get on next year?
2: Um, do, do Do you know what it is for me now? It's just trying to get as much track time as possible. And trying to get in the car as much as possible mm. just to just to build up to that to that level because like i know for that first year i'm definitely not going to be at the same level as the other guys um because you know I've, I've met a few other guys like
0: the,
2: the two um drivers that just they've just won brick car now uh, they've just won the championship danny and jem mm. like danny started racing when he, when he was eight years old and he's now 19 years old so wow. to get up to that standard for me so quickly is going to be a massive challenge but Um, yeah like it's just about it's just about getting constant track time now for me and just practicing
0: Mm. and and actually someone involved obviously quite a lot with the team one of your teammates next year Martin Compton who has obviously had a previous career involved in the military as well suffered a near fatal explosion and third degree burns to 75% of his body he must be a huge inspiration for you as well
2: yeah Martin's Martin's an incredible human Um, yeah like really nice guy like obviously he races with with Warren um so kind of the first time I met those guys was was um you know we've got a lot of synergies there with both being ex-military and ex-forces um but yeah massive inspiration and a a, incredible guy
1: that uh that camo uh livery looked so cool yeah is that going to be on your car as well next year
2: I hope so. <laughs> it looks... It looks <laughs> they won't see you okay. coming. <laughs> yeah. They'll see, like, a bush driving around.
0: <laughs> when you do a turner then I think they might know who it is. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Start ramming them off
1: the road. We did yeah. this in the military.
0: <laughs> it's absolutely uh, very exciting. Um, but in terms of getting track time then, how, how possible is that to do for, for the rest of the
2: year? Um. <sighs> Not like well, we'll have to see, won't we? We're just, we just going into this second lockdown, so you can't technically very, work very from possible.
0: home. You can't technically work from home, so there you go.
2: Well, yeah, you can travel for work, can't you? So, exactly. Yeah, just use that as an excuse. It just depends if they keep all the um, the track days open. Um, I think I've got so I've done three races already in uh, in in Genere. Um I've got another race coming up, or another two races coming up. So we'll just have to see how that. Mm. that plays out with the whole lockdown thing.
0: And I know it's obviously, uh, you don't really want to think about, you know, if you can win the championship or where you might come, but what, what's a reasonable target do you think for you? What will you go away happy with come the end of the season?
2: Um, do you know, like the, the the competitive soul inside of me just wants to win everything. But I think reality, do you know what, like even just getting, like finishing the first few Mm. races, I think is a massive milestone for me. Um, because cause like I'm going to be new into the car, so just getting used to the handling, of the handling of the car and just being able to drive that car on its limit um, and just being able to push myself each race and each time I go out in that car. So, you know, like, yeah, just finishing the races at the start will be a, a massive milestone. And,
1: and for those that don't know, just tell us a little bit about the championship that you're going to be taking part in.
2: Yeah, so it's Brick Car Endurance. Um, so I believe there's... Four or five classes in brick car um, and this is class one uh, the Prague R1 uh, so it's against kind of Ferrari Ferrari Cup and um, what else like Porsche 911s uh, that kind of car well, think,
0: we can't wait to watch you and hopefully if we're allowed to come to some of the races Yeah, as well, I was going to say we, even, should, we uh, should definitely yeah, get, yeah, yeah. get down Um Well, look, Jay we've absolutely rattled through all of that but we do have a final three questions that we ask to all of our guests um, the exact three questions uh, it's brilliant the, the variety of answers it throws up and there's one question that I can't wait for you to answer mm, Me too um, Tim, do you want to kick off with the first one? Yeah, I do indeed What's got you excited at
1: the moment? <laughs>
2: Um do you know what? I'm just about to bring a book out. Ah <laughs> yes, excellent. Which is a, a massive turn in my career. Um so that's getting a lot of energy right now. Um so my my book Soldier, um, which is out mid-November, November the twelfth.
1: And I, I expect the title says it all, but tell us tell us a bit about it.
2: Yeah, so it's it's kind of part memoir, part kind of handbook. Um I've obviously just you know, I've been fortunate to live a lot, you know, fortunate or unfortunate to do the last 14 years in the military, 10 of those in the SAS. So it's kind of just, you know, you talk about how do I get resilient. So the bucket the book has a chapter on resilience, um, where I talk about kind of where my resilience came from and what I find works for me. Um, so it's kind of like it's kind of like a a, a self-development book or a, a personal development book. But I've I've thrown a lot of stories and uh, narratives and anecdotes about kind of my my life in the forces and and in the military and in the special forces so
1: while it's it's like you say your your memoirs or some stories about your experiences it's also intended to help others who may need some sort of improvement in their own lives or want to change something about their their own position in life
2: yeah exactly like it's it's basically everything that i that i believe you need to be the best soldier but that's, you know, you can, you can read the book and you don't necessarily need to take that and be the best soldier. That's the same for everything, right? Yeah, it's be the best human being. It's yeah. be the best at whatever you, you do in life.
0: Well, that's exciting. Soldier, that is out when, you say, mid-November?
2: Yeah, November the 12th.
0: Exciting. Everyone make a note of that. Um, right, well, if not doing what what you've done, what you're doing. So many different things. It's hard to pinpoint you as just one one thing. Yeah. But if you hadn't gone off into the military, if you if you hadn't, and then that would, would have not led to being a racing driver, what would you be doing?
2: God, no idea. Yeah. Probably the same as what I'm doing now. <laughs> I I'd I'd yeah. ended up doing something like cra- crazy or I'd have found my way into racing cars. And something to, to, something to get the adrenaline going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love what I do. So like I'd have found... You know, I
1: found a way to do it anyway mm. now our, our final question is one that's um, given up a lot of different answers we've had people who couldn't answer because they got too emotional we had people who are scared of very odd things including tea bags we would like to know from you Jay Morton what? He's scared of tea bags. Uh, uh, Crofty, you know the F one commentator Crofty. Right, yeah, uh, right. He's scared of tea bags. Um,
0: so yeah, bit bit strange. He, he well. would not do well, I don't think, uh, in SAS training. No, uh. no,
1: not so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he'd be he'd be great on SAS day of twins. Um So uh, yeah, Jay, what?
2: How do I beat how do I beat tea bags?
1: Uh, with difficulty, but there are some, <laughs> yeah. there are some other weird ones in there. But that was up there. Um, what are you scared of?
2: Um. Do, do you know? Like this is a bit deep, but like, do you know what scares me? Just, just boredom and like, just not living a fulfilled life that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like that scares me more than like I, I don't have any fears in terms of like tea bags or spiders or anything <laughs> like that. No, like like actual fears, but kind of just that, you know, just getting to getting to like an older age and just looking back and just going. Wasted
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of people probably relate to, whether they say it out loud or not, really. And I think, uh, well, what you've certainly done already in your career with much more to go, I don't think you'll have any dangers of, of doing that. Um, Jay Morton, thank you so much for coming on to the Most Mouth podcast. We can't wait to see how you get on next year. Uh, turning your hand to being a racing driver, I'm sure you'll absolutely smash it. Um, and who knows, maybe there's some more SASU Dead Wins in the pipeline um, as well. And of course, good luck with your book, Soldier, out mid-November. Jay Morton, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jay. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Before you hop off, one final reminder to check out the guys and girls at Motus One, your new transportation solution for minor, men- and signature events anywhere in the world. Motors One simplifies the complex process of event transportation and provides clients with unrivaled service and support to ensure your event's transportation needs are fulfilled. Check them out today at motorswan.com. And if you tell them you found them through the Motormouth podcast, you'll get up to 20% off your first booking. Now, doesn't that sound good? Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at motormouth underscore instagram at motormouth underscore official and facebook just search motormouth you can download the motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from mmtv create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast